Hello all, this is Blonde-Haired Girl. So, I, I asked the question, like, how would you ever, like, have the proper funeral, like, um, celebrations of life for a master like Thich Nhat Hanh? I just, I was like, it was like really thinking about it. I was like, he, like, how do you properly do that? Um, The passing of somebody as, as advanced spiritually as he, he is, was um, when he roamed the earth. But I've been getting these notifications because the celebrations or I don't know if you want to call them celebrations. I don't know what they are. I'm having going on for like five days, six days. Um, and the other night I got my notification and I, and I joined in and it was, it was fascinating. It was about, they were, there were these initiates um, that were going to be um, ordained as nuns and uh, monks in, in at Plum Village. And so I decided to kind of, I was like sort of paying attention and kind of in a, in a, um, in, in a, in a state of sleep, but not sleep. And I was awake enough that I, I really wanted to listen to what they were agreeing to because there were 10 there were 10 different lifestyle choices that these initiates were um were vowing to adhere to and they they were very interesting to me um i mean some of it had to do with staying away from like negativity negative like movies, um, music, uh, things that would get in your consciousness in a negative sense. Um, <clears throat> they were part of the, they cut their hair, they um, shaved their heads as like, so as not vanity um, to, to not have like of outer, I guess, beauty or they're not to wear any makeup, not any jewelry, nothing um, that would um, set them apart from anyone else. Um, they um, talked about meat, like not eating meat, eating a vegetarian lifestyle. Um, uh, <laughs> and um, there were more, but I can't, I can't, but like the one that really like, you know, and to abstain from sex, like they were, they took a vow to abstain from sexual activity or that kind of, of action. Um, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about like some of this <clears throat> because as a as a aspirant myself you know I have 
my whole life, I've just been sort of, um, I've had a propensity uh, for certain things like philosophy and theology and just wonderment about all things that have to do with this, that have to do with God and existence and what we're actually doing here on this planet. It never, it never occurred to me for really to ever become like a nun. I, I, and I suppose that that had something to do with the way that I was raised, but I'm not sure because I was raised by parents that were incredibly devout. And my dad had indeed been in the seminary, but left the seminary because he didn't believe he could give up his conscience. And so, um, and so then, you know, he obviously, he met my mom and the rest is history, but, um, he was an incredibly devout Catholic. And so was my mother. Not to say that they adhered to the rules of the religion perfectly, but they, my parents were incredibly devout and went to mass every Sunday of their life. They would never miss. And, um, and keeping up with the, the tenets and the changes in the church. Um, anyway, so the Catholic church was very important to my, to my parents. So, but I, so I think that some of some of my propensity just had to do with um, with being raised by parents who were incredibly devout people themselves. So, but I went. I took a detour. I I I really could not. I could not just follow along the ideas of. Christianity in general. I just did not believe the way that I had to believe. And it only got worse as I got older. So in my in my early 30s, I what really got to me was the the death of um God, I can't remember his name right now. Um I think Michael God, I can't remember his name, but he was a student in Wyoming who was beaten because he was gay. And he was left for dead. And and I, I just, I could imagine being that parent. I was a new parent myself. And I, just like you said, think you're sending your child off to college and they're safe and somebody just takes them out and beats them simply for the fact that he was gay. <clears throat> and I and I got to thinking about this and I and then I got to thinking about God as requiring having the requirement that Jesus would die a gruesome death on the cross for the sins of the world. And it didn't make sense to me. That just it like all of a sudden it did not make sense to me. It um 
I was like, it, it just, it made no sense. And it has like its roots has to do with things that we would call barbaric, like the shedding of blood, the, the temples at the time, which is not really that different from the Mayan <laughs> temples where they chopped off people's heads and cut out their heart for the gods. I mean, it's, um, I just, just the whole, that whole idea. So I had realized at some point that I, I guess I'm not a Christian. I guess I can say that I'm not a Christian because I do not believe that God would require the gruesome death of his only son for the sins of the world. I don't believe that, which I know is heresy. And But anyway, um, but I do believe in a lot of the teachings of the church of that I believe Jesus taught the teachings of love. And, um, but even more importantly, I believe in his teachings on what some call the law of attraction. I believe that Jesus taught the people around him and actually said, you will do greater things than I do. You will do greater things than I do. But what ended up happening was this whole message was taken so instead of us doing greater than than he does, we're like focused on the wrong things. This is just my take on it all. I'm not saying it's correct. <laughs> so, um, so, but I, so then I started, um, I, I read, I think one of the first books that I read was um, Neil Donald Walsh, um, Conversations with God, which was kind of my gateway book to other, away from the Bible and toward other ideas, um, is all I have to say. But I really the books that had the most impact on me were by far the works of David Hawkins, MD, PhD. He wrote the first in his trilogy was Power Versus Force. And I, I didn't really read that book, to be honest, but I read the second two of that trilogy and I studied them and he had the greatest impact on my spiritual life as any other teacher um, and he spoke of enlightenment <clears throat> and he talked about, about, um, the, the spiritual path and the non-duality and, um, and, and so then I became, but see, even, even that he talked like about, he really did present that the state of enlightenment, very, very few will experience a state of enlightenment. And this was a huge barrier for me um, because 
I don't know if everybody, every mind is as, as naive as mine, but I tend to believe what is said to me. So I did not believe that I would ever experience a state of enlightenment. And so, um, imagine my surprise when I, when I wake up and I'm, I'm altered, I'm changed, I'm different. I'm, I wake up the next day after an experience and I'm in a completely different, um, paradigm of being (laughs) and uh and then these these events start happening like like really fast and a lot and I it was um which I which I believe is some sense of mysticism that I did not I had to some degree before this this event but it was um and so and so I don't know sometimes I wonder about even degrees of enlightenment and I don't and I really try my best and I know I harp on this but I think it's very very important that we as a community are very very careful with thinking ourselves greater than we are <laughs> or more powerful than we are like spiritual pride is like and it can really take over and 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 I just I don't want to be a part of that for myself so I try to be very careful but there's also this that I also talk about this idea of of confidence that I think is is really important. I think it's really important for us to have, um, I guess, confidence in ourself, our belief in ourself as the aspect of God that we are. And to be able to like say, you know, to be able to just understand our, you know, we have wonderful points and, and we have flaws and, you know, whatever, but so, so I'm trudging along in this life and it becomes about the creation of my, of my reality because I realized at some point, like really blazingly and ominously that I create my reality. And I know that sounds weird that I would say it was ominous, but it was because I believe that we're taught that that life is just happening to us that we're just like in this stream of life and and we're just kind of helpless and we don't we but it's not we're not helpless in this stream of life we we somehow create it through our thoughts our intentions our um practices <clears throat> which is part of the reason why these initiates were agreeing to basically filter what comes into their consciousness so that they can stay pure to their practice 
So, so this idea, this idea of enlightenment, which is very similar to Thich Nhat Hanh, I mean, as a Buddhist, the Buddhist, the, the, the highest state of spirituality in Buddhism is the enlightened state. And so, <clears throat> and so this would be what they would be striving for. And so I feel like in some ways my life, and I, and I don't, I cannot say that I was thinking about enlightenment every moment of every day, but it certainly was something that, that I had on my radar as something that I would like to experience in, I suppose, this lifetime. <clears throat> and, 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 and there were things about it that I also just feel like I, <laughs> like somehow it was like this, this idea that once you experience enlightenment, you never have a worry of thought, you know, like there's, you are in a state of perpetual bliss for forevermore. And so then I could ask the question, well, then maybe I'm not enlightened. Um, maybe I'm not. Um, and I'm willing to concede, you know, perhaps I'm not enlightened. Um, I don't know. I think that it is, it is challenging for us to be able to evaluate these things for ourselves. <laughs> I'm laughing because some people, you know, I think that David Hawk, I'm like, I'm trying to think if he actually said he was enlightened, but I suppose, you know, the whole idea that he writes books on enlightenment would mean that he believes that he, and this is not something that can really be argued with. There, there is a sense of knowing that that you are somehow changed. There is a sense of that that I have experienced. <clears throat> and so I have experienced this change, a change. And I have to admit, in, in my particular state, I was quite frightening. It was very, very frightening because I did not know I was not prepared for uh, the magnitude and how dramatic and um, and so and, and I navigated it alone. I or like not with people that I were in my physicality, um, and so it was a quite a challenging time for me. <laughs> and sometimes I'm. I, I laugh because it was like, um, and I, I also took like the, the way of despair. I didn't come to enlightenment through joy. I came to like, or like whatever that this change was, I'm sorry. I did not come to this change through joy. I came through it through despair. And so, and so when I, when I came out on the other side, I was, I was very split. Like I was, I was I was really elated sometimes and then really um really not elated like other times it was like heaven and hell like oh god it was it was rough for a a while it is not as bad as it was back then not even near as bad but so so I go and I and I talk about these different 
Um, you know, like, like alcohol, that was another thing that abstain from alcohol and drugs, these initiates will not be, you know, and so like do is somehow um, being enlightened that you would like, in an enlightened state, you would always abstain from these things. Like, and I know that these are, these are, we're talking about initiates who are going to be nuns and priests. I mean, not priests, nuns and uh, monks, but what is the ultimate spiritual state? And is, you know, and, and these, and these churches, you know, like the Catholic church included, you know, a priest and a nun, they take a vow of chastity. And so what is it in the state of, of non-sexuality? Like, what is that? Why is that something that is presented as virtue? <clears throat> and I just, I just asked the question, like, because I just think it's interesting, you know, and I've noticed throughout the year, especially like being raised a Catholic, that sexuality has really been in so many ways demonized by the church. I mean, like when my parents' time, like the only time you were supposed to have sex was to procreate. There was no other reason for sex and sex for enjoyment was certainly not on the table. And you were not supposed to have sex until you were married. And, and so sex was like this very taboo, like, you know, really strange concept. Um, and, I, and so then I was raised by people who had this, this um, <clears throat> obligation put upon them by the Catholic Church. So I was raised, you know, <clears throat> that you're not supposed to have sex before marriage or only supposed to have sex in marriage. My parents never really talked to me about sex, if you want to know the truth. They really didn't, except just kind of like this don't do it kind of thing until you're married. I mean, they just, they really didn't talk to me about it. <clears throat> and so somehow this idea of, of, <clears throat> let me just even go back further. Like the immaculate conception of Jesus. And what exactly is that? Why did it have to be an immaculate conception. Okay. And, and I believe that God can do whatever God wants to do. So if God wants to immaculately, conce you know, conceive Jesus, you know, somehow impregnate Mary without a sex act, far be it for me. I don't know. <clears throat> God can do what God can do, right? It's just the idea that he would have been conceived in a sexual act, somehow lessening him being the son of God is where I get hooked up. That somehow like, like, like spirituality and, and sex in some ways, especially in like the Christian religion, 
And I'm thinking maybe the Buddhist religion. It's not like that in Hindu. In in the Hindu religion, the gods, like, they're just, there's so much going on with sex. I mean, the Tantra and, you know, but in other religions, sex is a very, very taboo thing. And, and except they want us to have sex because they want us to create more Christians, Catholics. And, and I guess I would say, um, in, in the Buddhist tradition, I don't know what they, I I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) and so, and so, it was it was a very very strange thing for me. Like so, I'm I'm listening to these initiates and what they're agreeing to, and I'm thinking about my own self and my own life and the way that I would like my life to be. And I had just done this podcast about you know that I that I actually prefer to be in a relationship. I actually prefer that to being single. And but then hearing, you know, these these nuns and monks agreeing to not be in a relationship as their spiritual practice. And and me somehow, you know, and then having to to like remind myself that I'm not a nun and I'm not I'm not a monk. I did not I did not choose that life and I I actually don't know I don't really know that I that I like really thought about it that much it's just I I had the desire to grow up get married and have children I guess I I had traditional desires in my life and and I don't, and I can't even say that there was any huge amount of thought that went into it. Um, it's just kind of that's what you did as as a female, um, you know, in my house, in the household, in the culture that I grew up with. That's what you did, and you did it in that order. You grew up, you got you got married, and then you had children. And there, there's your life purpose is to be a mom. You know, if I had other aspirations, I could do those too. But the most important one was to be a mom. <clears throat> now, I have to tell you that there has, I really honestly, there has been little else in my life that has brought me as much joy as being a mother has. I, I can admit that my children were so beyond my comprehension so beyond anything that I could have ever come up with and I have zero regrets and at the end of the day they really are what I have left at this point (laughs) are my children I mean I have some extended family and some friends but like a lot of my energy and devotion is toward my children (laughs) And so I feel very grateful that they came to live with me, you know, like to just be my children. Thank you. I, you know, um, 
but now they're all grown and I'm, I'm in this spot in my life where I'm like, okay, what exactly do I want with my future? Having, having gone through this change, gone through this spirit, like some people want to call it awakening. I don't know. It's like, I don't even know what any of these terms mean. I mean, I don't even know what enlightenment means. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I still don't really know, but okay. So I'm, I'm different and I'm, I'm living my life and what do I want to do with it? I mean, what do I want to do with it? And I'm not, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it would be absolutely fantastic to have a, a companion in my life that I could dote on and admire and take care of and love and with a common mission. And I think that my mission is, is just world peace in the sense of people just being happy. And so this is what I do um, for my occupation. I don't even know if I've really told you all what I do, like for, you know, a paycheck right now. And that is I work for an agency that is contracted through the Department of Child Safety to provide services for families. So basically what has happened is, is the DCS has become involved. There was a report made or a child was born drug exposed or, you know, something happened and the DCS said, okay, we're going to have this, this person go in and provide these services um, to, for the safety of that child. And, and, and so I go in and we do like really heavy um, assessments and and then we create a service plan and then I coach. I'm basically coaching the family on the goals of their service plan. <clears throat> These people did not ask for me to come into their house. <laughs> they really didn't. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Most of the, they're like, oh, crap. Okay, so I have to see you how many times a week? Um and um you know so it's getting a buy-in is super interesting you know it's like the first visit is just going to meet them and then um you know and then i give them a little time to count the cost here before i make them sign their the next five six months away so i um i but my hope is is that their life will be different better that their life will be happier, that they will be happier for me coming in weekly to visit them, even when they didn't want me to. <laughs> so I had I had a most interesting thing happen yesterday that I I just had to share with you guys because I just I just couldn't believe it. I, I, I thought it was like the neatest thing. So I have an individual that he, uh, he does not have a car. Um, he has two young children, and but he doesn't have a car, and it's very limiting for him. Um, and 
I've been talking to him, not not saying, okay, this is the law of attraction. If you want a car, this is how we're going to get you one. I haven't been saying it that way, but I've been just kind of, you know, well, what kind of car do you think you would like? Well, how much money do you think you could save weekly, you know, or like monthly? You know, I've I've been just asking, you know, kind of coaching him to, to, um, see about this car situation. <laughs> and and then I was telling him about, I have this other client that had a car gifted to her. Yeah, she just like, somebody just gifted her a car. And so now she's working to get her driver's license so that she can drive the car. Um, <laughs> and so I was telling this gentleman about this other client of mine who was gifted a car. Well, so I go visit last night. And he he goes to he goes, Oh, I gotta tell you about something. I thought it was gonna be about the car, but initially initially it wasn't. He told me about something entirely different. But then later he said, Oh yeah, and my aunt told me that she was gonna give me her car. I said, What? <laughs> and he said, Yeah, she said She's going to give me her car. Now, he hasn't gotten the car yet, and I'm hoping that he does get the car. But, like, regardless, is that nuts that I that that he would just kind of out of the blue be gifted a car? It's crazy. And so it's so much fun to have these principles, like, not only work, you know, like, it's one thing if they work for myself, you know, but it's quite another thing if if this intentionality goes toward other people. So I'm going to be missing my visits next week. And I was telling this client and, and his children, you know, well, I'm going to be gone next week. Well, where are you going? And I told him where I was going and well, what are you going to be doing? And I'm like, well, and I'm just very honest. I say, oh, I'm going because I'm trying to learn how to heal people through intention. <laughs> and they're like, what? I said, yeah. I'm trying to learn how to heal people through intention and and see how through intention I can have people get a car. So I actually said this, I like, I put these in the same, like to me, it's kind of like the same category. I am, I am attempting in my life to learn the art of being able to turn water into wine or the intention of a car into a car, the intention of a healing into an actual healing. And so that's what my life work is about at this point. I don't know, it's my spiritual practice day in and day out to stay in a a state of of that intention to bring happiness. And that was one of the things that these nuns and monks talked about they talked about the the happiness that that to be an instrument of lessening the suffering 
of of people and beings on this planet. So that's why they don't eat meat, because they don't want to add to the suffering of an animal. So this is my goal. So this is where myself and the monks and have in common. We actually have a lot in common, um, but I just um, I just wanted to share that. I um, all of that. I'm not sure. Did any of that make sense? I'm as clear as mud again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I appreciate y'all listening, and I will be back with other ideas. And that's a wrap.